Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. Today, we are meeting with a superintendent in Oklahoma. So excited. We've, we've had a lot of interviews in Texas, but excited to, to have an interview in Oklahoma. We have Superintendent Vincent from Warner Public Schools. But before we get into today's interview, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact is giving hundreds of millions of dollars away to school districts around the U.S. now. So if your district needs funding, reach out to Ideal Impact. And uh, so let's jump right into the podcast. So we have our co-host, Corinne French. Yay, I'm so excited, as always, uh, to be here and interview another wonderful guest. Yes, so excited. And Superintendent Vincent, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Outstanding. Well, to kick things off, just so everybody gets to know you a little bit, could you share a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. I was uh, born and raised in uh, right here in northeastern Oklahoma. I've never, you know, veered too far away from, from what I would call a home, which is the uh, Wagner Choteau area, which is only about 35, 45 minutes away from here. I'm a product of public education. Um, certainly, I went through public education all the way through pre-K through 12th grade. I attended various uh, public schools during that time. Um, I was born and raised either at barely above, sometimes below the poverty line. So I kind of get a lot of, you know, uh, different variations and I understand backgrounds and, and uh, the students and the families that we have. Um, and so that's helped me, I think, as a public educator over the years to just kind of have an understanding. Um, you know, and my story is not a lot different than a lot of people that grew up in the 80s and in the early 90s was um, sort of uh you know, with the cycles of the economy and how the economy went, so went our family's economy. And so mm -hmm. we had, you know, years where hey, everything seemed great. We had years where everything was lean. But I think I always like to just kind of let people know, you know, that's kind of the background I'm coming from. I think a lot of times people think that, you know, you're a superintendent and, and you know, not going to hide behind the fact that we don't make a, a, a nice living and etc. And I think people tend to think that you're out of touch. And so I, I just like to share that little bit that, you know, I just, I just feel like that's helped me in my career. Um, like I said, I've, I've always wanted to be right here in Northeastern Oklahoma. I've never veered uh, away from it. Along about the time I was in high school, I was impacted uh, by a, a coach that, that I thoroughly respected. He was an outstanding coach. And uh, his name was Joe Gordon. Um, he's now in the African-Americans uh, Education Hall of Fame here in Oklahoma. He's in the Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame and um, just an excellent coach. So it's people like that that, that that impact kids' lives on a daily basis that are working in public education. So it's certainly very near and dear to my heart. And, um, you know, we just like to work hard for all kids. I've been a superintendent now for 12 years here in uh, in Warner, all 12 years of my superintendency has, has been here in the same school. 
Um, I've just felt fallen in love with this place. Um, we'll likely retire from Warner, Oklahoma, if it's 100% my choice, which everyone mm -hmm. knows as a superintendent, it's not always 100% your choice, but, uh, but that's where I'm at. And then uh, before I was here, I was just down the road in a community called Vianne, Oklahoma. I was high school principal for five years. And then prior to that, I was an elementary principal for three years in Shakota, Oklahoma. So that also, as superintendent, I feel like gives me a unique perspective to, to both ends of the spectrum in, in a school. Is I've been an elementary principal and I've been a high school principal. And so I've, I've lived both worlds on that side. And then prior to becoming a principal, I was a basketball coach and a, a science teacher and uh, certainly have enjoyed. Sorry. Yes, that happens. I've enjoyed uh, all of those years in education. I'm on my 24th year. Wow, that's so cool. So, such a unique background. You know, you know, besides the fact of you know your upbringing and, and you know kind of where you came from, and then your experiences in public ed through the different roles. So that's that's had to have shaped you, uh, you know, into the superintendent you are today. So very very excited. Um, very excited about to, to hear more about your district and what's happening there. Uh, Corinne, did you have a question? Well, I was just going to say, I don't think you answered this. Or, so if you did, I apologize. But did you know when you became that science teacher that you would be a superintendent? Was that part of your goal, pathway, or dream? I don't know that it was to be a superintendent. I felt like that when I started coaching and teaching that I was probably headed to administration. Mm -hmm. Um but to me at that time, I think, to be honest, I think superintendency seemed a little far off. And so um, I was encouraged early by some mentors, uh, an athletic director, an assistant principal, and then another assistant principal to pursue administration. And so that mm -hmm. kind of developed for me rather quickly. I was mm -hmm. only in the classroom for five years as a, as a teacher coach. Um, I was planning on being in the classroom for seven to 10 years. And then everything just kind of happened a little faster than I thought. And so, um, but to answer your question, I don't know that superintendency was was that initial goal. It just. Yeah. Well, I like how you said someone basically tapped and, and, and mentioned, hey, I see you as a leader um, and gave you that. Do, do you think that encouragement from from them, it sounds like it was more than one person, do you think that helped fast track that a little for your for and thinking of confidence or like in your mind of preparation? Oh, definitely. And I think that's really important for all of us to remember is to be those people for other people that are getting into the uh, into the education world now. But, yeah, I remember the day Ralph, Ralph Jones was his name and uh, wow. he, he came to my classroom. He knocked on my classroom door. It was unannounced. I, I didn't really know what he wanted. I stepped out. I was probably in my third year of teaching and he just said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I think that you need to go ahead and start your master's classes because I think that you would be a great administrator. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly, yeah, that gave me all the confidence in the world to do that. And so I uh, looked into that and, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But it all started with that conversation. You know, I probably would have ended up in administration, but it may not been had been as quickly as it as it as it happened because of his uh, confidence in me. I always say, and we told you this when we first started, we never try to catch you off guard. So answer this this next question is kind of like choose your own adventure. You can answer it <laughs> the way you'd like. But 
did you, have you over the last 24 years have there been times where your confidence was was low like and, and you and you just like started feeling like oh my gosh this is really hard or your confidence level took a hit you know i i really have to be honest and say no mm-hmm. um i wouldn't say my confidence level has ever really taken a hit and i think that people that know me know that that's that's probably a very very factual and very true answer um, I'm very driven, very high. I, I have very high expectations for myself and, and for my uh, staff and students. And so that's just always been the, the, the key for me. I will say that there's been days where I've thought, wow, there's got to be an easier way to make a living. Uh, <laughs> sure. I've, I've had those days. I don't equate that to necessarily yeah. a lack yeah. of you know, having like a confidence issue or something like that. But there there are days where you're like, wow, this has gotten so hard. And, and, and I'll be honest, it's just, it's not the same world that I started in 24 years ago in public education. We try to keep it that way in Warner the best we can, to be honest. And we, we, we really work hard to stay focused on teaching and teaching math and science and history and reading and uh, social studies. And we just, really focus on those things, but we're bombarded constantly now with um, the social media issues, the mental um, mental health issues, just the physical well-being of students issues that we face. You know, we, we live in a, in a, in a world that's just really struggling in a lot of those areas and it, it infiltrates its way into our school as well. And um, I sometimes tell my principals, remember when this was about just educating students, um, and I think that I would equate that to um, just our world changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, it seems like at least when I was going through pu- through public education, it was focused on learning academics. You know, that was kind of the, but it's it just seems like over the years, public education has taken on more and more responsibilities. What what do you think's attributed to to that kind of you know? evolving of of public education or maybe i just wasn't aware back when i went through school that that was happening then well i i think some things were happening then that we probably weren't aware of but i do think it it is intensified it has gained speed it has become more broad um there's always this this rub you have in life um i'm a christian man and so there's always this rub you have in life where you you're called to help people but then there's also a, a point where helping hurts. And so, you know, I think generationally the school, public school system has taken on so much more um, from generation to generation, whether it be the, you know, they started, I'll just, I'll just use feeding, for example. So, you know, you used to, when public education first started, you packed your meal from home, you, you came to school, you went to school, you ate your meal that came from home. Then they started school lunch programs. Well, then school lunch programs expanded into school breakfast programs and school lunch programs. And now you have a breakfast program, lunch program, a dinner program. And so uh, we do these things because we have to feed kids. And so that's that side of the coin, right? I mean, I would never say we don't need to feed kids. I mean, we don't want any hungry, hungry students. The hungry students can't learn. We know this. But when as we do more, it feels like sometimes society-wise parents are doing less. Um, and you probably see this a lot more, not really in, in my neck of the woods per se, as a, being a rural school, 
but I think that's really an urban issue, uh, certainly in terms of the parents. And I'm remember I'm just talking about the 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 food programs. Parents just relying on the school to do to to do all of it. And so where we where we've helped, we've kind of started to cross over a bridge of maybe hurting a little bit society as a whole. I don't know if I've been understandably clear on what I'm trying to say, but. Yeah, no, it, may, it makes sense. It's an interesting dynamic between what's happening in society and, and public education and, and, you know, other, other communities, if you will, you know, how, how we all work together as a society. It's kind of, kind of interesting how that that's evolved. And, and yeah, it makes sense. I mean, on the food side of things, because I, I, historically, you know, you'd have one person working and you'd have, you know, somebody there that was, you know, doing some of that, the, the stuff that's done at home, cooking and that sort of thing. Uh, now everybody, you know, at least a lot of families, both people are working. So it's like, they're, you know, who, who picks up that task and say, so it, it kind of makes sense, you know, just looking at it that way, I guess, how, how that becomes more and more needed. Um, you know, obviously I'm not an expert on that subject, but it's just kind of <laughs> interesting how, how it all, how it's all connected. So when we talked originally, your district is doing some amazing things. I'd love for you to to share some of the things that's happening at your district and kind of, you know, how y'all got to that point. Well, to tell you a little bit about our district, we are, um, we're 77% free and reduced lunch. So that means we're 77% of our students fall at or below the poverty line. Um, we have about 830 students district-wide. We're a small rural school. We have hardworking parents, hardworking people. Um, business and industry here is not uh, real strong, you know, with, within the 15 to 20 mile radius of our community. So a lot of our parents have to commute to work. Um, we have students who are uh, very, very respectful, uh, very well mannered, uh, the majority very well raised students. Um, so I want to be clear that Poverty doesn't necessarily equate to, you know, being good or bad or being able or not able. You know, in fact, I think that we show in Warner that that it really, uh, if you're doing things right as a school district, uh, poverty really can have little to no correlation to overall student success. Um, we've we've kind of taken that out of the, the equation. And how we did that was we just we just stopped excuses. We just don't allow those uh, excuses to be part of our uh, verbiage as a school staff. We don't uh, we don't let kids fail. Um, we drag them kicking and screaming to <laughs> do their work and make sure they're doing it. Um, we work extremely hard. Our kids over time buy in. Um, and we have been a very successful district for the last uh, 12 years, uh, just really honestly working very hard. I tell people all the time that what we do is not hard work. It's not hard, but it's hard work is what I tell them. I say, this is not hard what we do, but it's hard work. And we've really simplified the education process in Warner um, over the last 12 years. We don't chase programs. We don't try to put in the latest bells and whistles. We don't do all these little classic, you know, these flashy things. I've saved a ton of money because I don't go around buying all these programs. I expect our teachers to teach and our, our teach and they do. Our teachers work extremely hard every day. Um, 
the other day I was in our high school and I was trying to give teachers a break so they could go get their uh, yearbook picture taken. And I was moving from classroom to classroom and I, I was not able to get into um, classrooms to give them a break because what I was hearing every class I went to was, was such quality education and it was just working at that moment in the classroom that it, it wouldn't have been good for me to interrupt so the teacher could go get their, their picture taken. And so just, it's just phenomenal what our teachers do. And, and, you know, our school, we, we have a state report card in Oklahoma and our state report card, you know, we're graded on student performance, uh, student attendance, career readiness, um, graduation rate, and all this goes into making a basic grade that everyone can understand, A through F. Um, our report cards over the last seven report card cycles has been, uh, we, we have received 10 A's and four B's. Um, and I think to, to talk about the A's is something that we really need to focus and make sure that everyone in the audience understands. To get an A in Oklahoma, you have to be in the top 5% of school sites across your state. They only allow 5%. It's it's built on a bell curve, and so if you're if you're not in the five percent, you can't get an A. And so for, so for us to get ten of those over the last seven report card cycles is is very phenomenal. And I so does that help? I guess with college <clears throat> acceptance and that sort of thing. It does. Um, we're seeing that it really helps our students that are um, college bound. It really helps our students that are trying to get into. Um, high academic colleges that are that have a little little tougher acceptance policies um for example we had a student just this last year that has left warner oklahoma small you know town of 1400 people um and is now attending vanderbilt university uh on a full ride scholarship that student is, is paid wow. absolutely like pennies out of pocket just to attend a, a a major private university in our nation. And I think in part that's because they know when that student comes through Warner School, not only do they have a good ACT grade, uh, ACT score, but they have gone through a high rigorous, high standard school that's reflective of the A's that our high school has received on the report card. So they know they're getting a quality student. And so um, that's just one story of many that I can tell you. Yeah, it's it's it seems like a parent that wants a quality education for their students, regardless of their income level, um, that wants to see their kids get, you know get into a good college. That you know Warner Public Schools would be a great place to be. I mean, it, um, especially if you want to get away from the city. And and um, I know sometimes I I want to get away from the city myself. <laughs> so that's that sounds pretty cool. Well, awesome. I know we're we're running short on time. Uh, Corinne, did you want to ask? Uh, one quick question before we close yeah, out. Yeah, I do. I, I just want, well, I, I guess I want to shout out the, the phrase that you said um, that you don't chase programs. And I think that's really important for other educational leaders to hear is sometimes I think we can look all of and all of us can do this. We can do this with, with any part of our life, but I think as educational leaders, there's a, there's a trap, I think, to, to always chasing the newest program or the most research when sometimes you well, and I think many times you know what your district needs, and you know what your teachers need, and you know what your principals need. And chasing programs can be 
um, it can just take away from that beauty that you already figured out. So I just want to give a shout out to that. I think that's a really good statement. And I think that's something we all should, should consider. Um, just looking at what we have, not always looking for the newest and biggest and brightest program. Right. Yes, I think that's really important. I think it's also important not to um, not to push too too much technology into mm -hmm. the classrooms. Um, that's one of the things that we found uh, eleven years ago. We were pushing a lot of technology in the classroom. Then when it when it was very first uh, popular to be a one to one district where every mm -hmm. kid had a computer and you were doing all this. Well, what we found is that took the teachers out of the equation um, and the teachers are the experts. And it, when you take the teachers out of the equation, you also take the relationships out of the equation. And so I don't think that that's uh, helpful for students. And so we, we know students get enough screen time outside of Warner Public Schools that um, we really try to keep our screen time down as much as possible. We still order textbooks when we can. We don't we don't put all of the textbooks on computer and things like that. Our, our students respond well to the tangible aspect of touching a book. Um, and we've seen that that works. And so we, we try to only let the screen time be about 25 to 30% of our overall classroom instruction, where you see a lot of schools at 100% nowadays. And I think that getting back to the basics, getting back to the basics of true education, quality education, doing things like we did 20, 25 years ago has helped us tremendously as a district. Well, kudos to you for that. You know, I, I think we're going to see that trend more and more. You're seeing it outside of public education as well, where, you know, your people are realizing, Hey, hanging out on social media is not the same thing as spending time making a human connection with someone in person and uh, yeah, having those tangible books, you know, the you know having all your senses involved in the, in the education seems to be very powerful. So um, I I imagine we're going to see more districts follow following that trend just based on you know what we're seeing already out you know outside of education. So um, Superintendent Vincent, I just want to thank you again for joining us. I know you're super busy as a superintendent and. Uh, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Hope you can be on the podcast again in the future to where we can stay up to date on all the great things that are happening at your district. I um, I would love to share more. I would love to get a little deeper into the nuts and bolts of what we really feel like has helped us achieve what we've achieved. We tell our story all the time. Um, we've had 25 or so schools come to our district to, to hear what we do. And we like to tell our story. We do some unique things in Warner. So I'd love to to be a, a guest again sometime. Well, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, we, yes. Let's do it. We love that. Yes. No, that sounds great. And thank you again. And for those of you all that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast. And we do want to give one final shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact's giving hundreds of millions of dollars away to public education in the form of a free gift. So if your district needs unrestricted friends, uh, sorry, unrestricted funds, <laughs> reach out to Ideal Impact. Friends too, the friends, funds, they, they go together, right? Um, and thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. <laughs>